Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're in the middle of a series in the book of Daniel. It's kind of a hybrid sort of series. It's called Spheres, and it's really about your maximizing your influence, but it's a hybrid in the sense that it's topical, but it's also, um, uh, it's like a life study of Daniel as well as kind of we're going through the book of Daniel. So it's really fun. Uh, Pastor Lee preached a message last week about your divine positioning. And it was very, very good. And I, I, I want you to understand this. I want to put just a few, a few points in the ground just to highlight things that she had said is that, you know, you were made to be in the world and not of the world. And, and she had the, the, one of my favorite things, like she said, a Venn diagram. It blessed me that she brought that into her message is these two circles that are overlapping of we're in the world but not of the world, that we're called to be in but separate but different, and God put you there for a phenomenal purpose, a dynamic purpose, to bring revelation. You know that God put you in that space to bring revelation to the kingdom. And so I want you to think about this. In the beginning, uh, you know, after the fall, in the beginning of really when God's people begin to move together, starts with the Abrahamic covenant. All right, so God speaks to Abraham, and he gives him a promise. He says, listen, you are going to be blessed to be a blessing. I'm making you the father of a nation, and it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to blow your mind how big it's going to be. And everywhere you go, you're going to be blessed. You're not going to be the tail. You're going to be the head. He says, you're going to be the head. You're going to be on top, not on bottom. You're going to step over, not be stepped on. Everywhere you go, God's favor and blessing is going to follow you. Well, this is a good message. Not just what I'm saying. I'm saying the message to Abraham. But we need to understand what the promises of God are. See, when we, be, when we understand what's been promised to us and what we have access to, it changes the way we think. It changes the way we live. Am I right? I better be right, doggone it. Yeah, I'm right. When you, when you start to grab hold of what God has promised you and you begin to understand the fullness of what that is and, and you start to live it, then you get access to that favor. You get access to those blessings, the blessings that God gave Abraham, the blessings that he moved in and promised us through the Mosaic Covenant, and then the fulfillment of that through Christ himself. He says, I fulfilled all those promises, all of it, and now I'm sending you the Holy Spirit so you can have him, you can have this torn veil go right into the fullness of God's presence, Hebrews says. You have full access to just go up and shake on God's robe and say, God, just do something. Come on. This is amazing. The access to the fullnesses of all the promises of God that he has promised his people, Ephesians 3 says, that you are grafted in just like them back there. You have the fullness of what God promised all his people all the way back to the promises of Abraham. You have access to those. By Jesus' blood. Not because you're so awesome, because he is. This is so amazing. And what we need is we need revelation. See, God has divinely positioned you, and he's purposed you, and he's promised you to be a blessing where you are at, in whatever sphere you're at, in the government, in education, in the arts, in the church sphere, right? God has positioned you in all of these spheres, 
in your community. He put you there to bring revelation, to bring forth the promises of God. This is an awesome opportunity. You and I, we've got to get hold, we've got to grab hold of what God has positioned us for. We've got to get a revelation of what he wants us to do when we're there. So we're going to dig in. We're going to look into what Daniel's life, what it looks like, and what he did and what he does to be able to, to, be able to bring revelation in the midst of where he's positioned. Sound good? All right. <clears throat> One of the primary things that the book of Daniel does is he speaks to everyone, the most powerful of all nations. Some people kind of can debate, but the most, one of the most powerful of all nations, most powerful of all kings of all time throughout all world history was this Nebuchadnezzar. And he speaks to Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and you know, Darius, all these kings, and he tells them, listen, I'm the king of all kings. Greatest nation and all the greatest nations that ever have been and ever will be, none of them are as big as me. That's what God tells him in this book of Daniel, and he proves it to him. And, you know, he gives Belshazzar the finger, right? I mean, you don't want that to happen to you. When God gives you the finger, you know you're in trouble. He, like, writes on the wall of his finger. Okay, seeing if you're still focused. <laughs> I'm going to preach a whole message about that sometime. When God gives you the finger. Okay, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 2. It happens. Okay. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, or betterly known as King Nebi, I like to call him, had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Nebuchadnezzar was a troubled human being. He was a psycho. He was one of the most vacillating leaders you'll ever see in the Bible. He's like polarized. He's all on one camp and just like, oh, you're the best thing ever. I'm giving you everything. Or he's like, oh, I'm killing you and chopping you up into pieces and blowing up your house. Okay. So he has these really radical mood swings. You don't want a leader like King Nebi. All right, so the king was summoned. Uh, the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Verse 4, the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Seems simple. Seems That makes sense, right? The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. <laughs> this guy is so crazy. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. They're like, okay, have the stakes ever been higher? Verse 7, once more, big surprise, once more they reply, um, please, little king, uh, let the servants know the dream and we'll interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, no joke. Because you realize that I have firmly decided. They're like, I'm sure he's decided before. They knew how King Nebi could be, right? I mean, this probably isn't the first time he threatened someone's life and followed through. If you don't tell me the dream, there's just one penalty for you. 
you've conspired to tell me misleading, wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will, uh, and I will know that you can interpret it. The astrologers answered the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. So no one can reveal to the king except the gods. And they don't even live among men. Uh-oh. Rule number one. Don't talk to King Nebi this way. This made the king very angry and furious. <laughs> Big surprise. They're not honoring, are they? There's a, there's a key here. Okay, I want you to see this. These astrologer stuff, they're not honoring the king. They're not walking in wisdom. And they clearly, obviously, don't have connection with the one true God. This made the king so angry and furious that he disordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. The men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Then Arioch, or Arioch, or A, yo, A, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon. Daniel spoke to him with wisdom, just pause for a second, with wisdom and tact. Here's my first point. If you want to operate in revelation, you need preparation. All right? You have to prepare. If you want to operate in revelation, you need to lay the groundwork, you need to lay the grid, the framework, the foundation for revelation is in preparation. And one of the ways you prepare is in wisdom and tact. You're preparing your influence for a launching pad when you operate in wisdom and tact. The other astrologers and magicians and stuff, they were not operating in much wisdom. But everywhere that Daniel put his boots on the ground, or sandals, depending on what he was probably wearing, right? He had favor, instantaneous favor. And even the first guy that he shows up with, and Lee was preaching about this last week, that he shows up and the guardian, the caretaker of him, uh, of him and his friends, he's like, has instant favor with this guy because he learned how to operate with wisdom and tact. Do you know that if you want to operate in revelation, you must build this foundation? So many times we want to just go for the revelation and we don't lay a, a foundation of wisdom or we don't have tact. Come on, how many Christians need to grow in a little bit more tact? Your delivery matters. The foundation of your life, the way you live your life, it matters. It affects the way people will receive you. This king would receive him because of the way he behaved. It's ridiculous. Watch and see what happens. He goes on, and uh, at verse 16, so it says, Daniel went to the king, and he asked for more time. He talks to the executioner, the guy who's coming. He goes, look, Daniel, I like you. You're a cool guy. I'm really sorry. I got to chop your head off today. I mean, he's coming. He doesn't just so drag him out and just go bang, right? He's like, dude, I'm really sorry. The king's going crazy again, and your head's on the chopping block. Off with their heads, you know what I mean? And Daniel just comes back and he goes, oh, can you say, oh, hold up a second? Yo, hey, let's take a second and think about this. And, and then he goes, what is the king thinking? Why has he issued such a harsh decree? And then it goes on. He says, he. He goes, and he goes to the king. 
Daniel had so much favor, so much wisdom intact, had laid the groundwork and prepared himself for revelation so well that he was able to just go walk in and ask the king in verse 16. He asked him for more time that he might interpret the dream. And the king gives it to him. Crazy King Nebi gives him the time. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, he goes, we got a problem. And he urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Hey, guys, we got a problem. We need to call on heaven. God needs to rescue us during the night. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells within him. I thank and praise you, O God, my Father. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what, you, what we asked of you, and you have made known to us the dream of the king. Listen, when you prepare, when you understand preparation, you know where to go. You have to learn how to shake heaven. You have to learn how to grab a hold of heaven. And say, God, I need something from you today. In fact, you have to care about the people. Lee was preaching about this. You have to love the people in your sphere so much. Even the ungodly pagans. Even as bad as King Nebi. God calls us to love our enemies. Love those who despitefully use us. And, And we have to care about them so much that we're willing to shake heaven and rattle heaven and ask God for a revelation to change their life to influence their life so they can have a relationship with him. In preparation, you and I, like Daniel and his friends, we have to learn how to get into prayer, how to get into the word. There is no supplement for your time in prayer and your time in word and your time in, the wor- in worship with Jesus. There is, no, there is nothing that can supplement that. You can't replace it. That, that is where revelation is going to happen. That's the preparation for revelation. It is like the big three, the core of what you and I are made for. It's not something you're doing to measure up so you get a coupon and you can spend it at Safeway. Right? This is about a relationship with the living God who has already purposed you and positioned you and promised you from the beginning, from Abraham, Moses, the promises of Jesus, the promises he sent with the, with the Holy Spirit. He has positioned you and empowered you with promise. And it's our job, it's our relationship to shake on heaven, just pull on it and say, God, do something. I need you. And to cultivate that relationship increases your anointing, increases your awareness of the kingdom in your life. Increases your awareness of what God is doing. And I'm telling you, when you prepare, when you spend time with him, you're positioning yourself to have powerful revelation in the sphere that God has placed you in. Daniel chapter uh, 2, verse 31. He goes to, uh, verse 29. He, as you were lying there, O king, he goes to him and he says, uh, maybe... Maybe I should back up. Verse 27. Let's read it. 
I'm not reading the right spaces. I'll get there. Come on now, we're in the zone. Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mysteries he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions pass through your mind as you laid on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to the things to come, and the revealer of mystery showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation, that you may understand what went through your mind. Just a second, just look here. What is Daniel doing? (laughs) Daniel's doing something really important right here. He is positioning himself in a lowly place. Okay, he's coming down. He's saying, okay, listen, I want you to know right now, I'm not God. I know y'all like to make idols to gods, lots of them. And I'm not a god. And I could never do this. I could never know, like the magicians and astrologers all said, I could never know this thing you're asking, except God. See, there's a God in heaven who knows you, and he made you, and he knows your dream, and he spoke to me, and guess what? He's going to get the glory. If you want to operate in revelation, you want to see God move through your life, you've got to position yourself in a lowly place. You've got to position yourself where he's going to get the glory, not you. It's a big deal. God moves through the humble. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Stewardship is a crucial key to being promoted in the kingdom. You know this? You want to be promoted? You have to operate in the kingdom principles of stewardship. And he was faithful with a little, be put in charge of more. He's faithful with a little, will be faithful with much. God gives to them, not to those that waste it or squander it or take the glory for themselves. Come on. God wants to use you, and he wants to get the glory. Something powerful happens here when God gets the glory. The person you're ministering to, it blows their mind because King Nebuchadnezzar asks for an impossible thing. And guess what he gets? A God. He meets a God that can do the impossible. A God that can part the Red Sea. A God that can part the Jordan. A God that can start fires on mountains when they're covered with water. Come on. They can stop up the rain or turn it back on. He is the God that raises up kings, and he's the God that throws them out. No matter what your situation is going on right now, God is over it all. And when God comes in with a revelation, the person you're ministering to knows it's impossible and sees the miraculous power of God through you, and then he sees there's a relationship that you have with God that they do not. So they believe there is a God, and you can have a relationship with him. Wow. This is why God wants to use you. He doesn't just do it by himself. Because he wants to bring people into his body. I'm going to show you where it is. He, Daniel talks about the body of Christ in this dream. 
He talks about you in this dream. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze. Please, in the name of Jesus. It's legs of iron. (laughs) It's feet partly of iron and partly of clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet and iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, clay, and bronze, silver, and gold were broken into pieces at the same time became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock, this is you, the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Uh Uh-oh. Say, the church. Yeah, say, the church. That's you, the unstoppable force of God. Verse 36, this was a dream, and now... I will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, iron, breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw the feet and toes were partly baked of clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet, it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw the iron mixed with clay. As those toes are partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. (laughs) The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. Listen to me. It will never be destroyed. And it will never be left to another people. Listen, when Jesus came and he put his feet on the ground and he bled and he died just for you and I and he established the church and he says to Peter, I'm going to make you the rock. Right? I'm going to, you, I'm going to build my church, the rock, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Come on. You're a winner. You're a winner. (laughs) Romans 8 says you are super victorious. The battlefield is a slaughter. It's a done deal. When you step on, the favor of God is so powerful in and through your life. The promises of God that he's purchased for you, the veil that he's torn, the power you have going into the Holy of Holies and that is accessible for you right now is so ridiculous. It is so mind-blowing. The revelation God wants to use through you in your sphere right now. He wants to move in power with purpose. But we have to access him. We have to access him. We can't just leave it dormant. We can't just 
not prepare. We can't just let opportunities just slip past. Oh, man. The church, the most powerful force on the entire kingdom, has brought every government to its knees. Destroyed the longest reigning government ever was the Roman Empire. Come apart. The love of Jesus. In this time, okay. The great God has shown... Oh, let me back up here. Where was I at? It will crush those kingdoms, and it will bring them to an end, but it will, itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock that was cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold into pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. The interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar falls prostrate on his face before Daniel. Yeah, careful there. You got to be careful how you say that word, prostrate before Daniel. And paid him honor and ordered that offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God, see how he positioned himself. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar gets it. Your God is the God of gods, little G's, and the Lord of kings. Look what he just did. He goes, he's the greatest of all kings. He already knows it. God told him he's the greatest of all living man kings. And he goes, uh, your God's the Lord of me. And revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. And he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. Moreover, Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained the royal court. We're going to talk next week about that God positioning you for promotion. See what's happening here? Yeah. God wants to promote you. He wants to move through you. He wants to use you in your sphere. He doesn't want you to be the heel. He didn't make you to be under the heel. He made you to be the head. Some of the key things that we see Daniel doing is this powerful abiding lifestyle. He's just always in prayer. He's just always faithfully in prayer. Daniel's the most, one of the most faithful characters in the entire Bible. In fact, there might not be another character in the whole Bible that's more like Jesus than Daniel. There is, I don't think there's one recorded mistake that Daniel made. Either they just omitted them and he wrote his own story. He's like, oh, I'm not putting that stuff in there. Just leave that one out, you know. <laughs> he's thrown in the lion's den. He's like, oh, bleep. No, I'm pretty sure he didn't do that. He's doing it in faith, right? There's none of that stuff in there. He like, he was so awesome. I, I mean, I would love to, to have the care. That's why I use Daniel for all the character study stuff. Because his character was just infallible. He is as cool as a cucumber. Because it, when he goes in, he's like, everybody's heads are getting chopped off. In fact, he finds out about it when the guy with the axe is coming to his house. He's knocking on the door with the axe. Ding, ding, ding. Jeez. Hey, Mr. Head Chopper Offer Guy, why are you at my house? And he goes, whoa, 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 take it easy. Right? He just is like, he has so much confidence 
because of his abiding relationship with God. He has so much confidence in his God. His friends were the same way. Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them in the furnace. He did throw them in the furnace. But he was going to, and they're like, hey, our God can save us. You throw us in, we burn up and die. It don't matter. We know who we serve. We're not bowing down to your thing. Right? The abiding relationship is what produces that kind of confidence. When you know your position with him, but there's positional righteousness made right by the blood of Jesus. Nothing you can do can change that. Nothing you can do can earn that. You accept it, you're saved. End of story. Then there is relational righteousness. This is important to understand. There is positional holiness. I'm made holy by the power of God. And there's relational holiness where I live holy by the power of God, both by the power of God, both by choice. One is an accepting of the position. They call it imputed righteousness, made right, perfect, jammed up inside you, okay? And then holiness, imputed holiness. Don't really say that in the Bible. It's the same thing, though. But it's jammed inside you, made holy, and then you live it. Because you can be made righteous and live relationally unrighteous. And you know what? You begin to lose the favor of God. And you lose favor with man. When we live unrighteous, going to heaven because Jesus died for us, awesome. We're trying to live against the fence to do everything we can do to just get by. And, you know, people call this all kinds of different things. This has nothing to do with grace. Grace... Grace teaching has gotten like weird and like add all this other like sinful bizarreness to it. No, grace liberates you from sin. Romans says it sets you free. You're no longer a prisoner to it. It's an amazing victory. You don't have to be in prison to sin. You don't have to live with the fruits of the sin in your life. You don't have to live relationally unrighteous. But when you position yourself and you begin to live relationally righteous, relationally holy, walk in holiness, walk in purity, walk in prayer, worship God with power, let the love of God and relationship just cultivating your life. You love people the way he loved you. You, 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 you love your enemies. You heap coals of righteousness on their head, not condemnation. How do we convert that? All of a sudden, the favor of God begins to rise up and well up out of your life. The way you live matters. If you want to have revelation pouring in and out of your life and have God just doing amazing things in whatever sphere you're in, you have to prepare yourself. You have to pursue God passionately. You have to pursue him in his word and in worship. And you have to pursue righteousness, relational righteousness. You need to live right. When you put that righteousness seed in the ground, it grows up. The Bible says in Galatians, it grows up to produce a fruit of righteousness. And it grows and it, and it produces good stuff. Guess what that does? Revelation pours out. Transformation in your world pours out. People get saved. Stuff starts to happen in the kingdom. You're like, I don't know why stuff never happens in the kingdom around me. And I don't know why it doesn't work. And they say it works, but it doesn't work. How are you living? How are you living? You know, when there's a problem, we look in the mirror. 
When there's a solution, we look out the window. Come on. All right? Come on now. Is this what Daniel did? When there's a solution, he goes, that was God. But when there's a problem, you go, okay, Lord, what do you need to adjust in me? Not toxic shame. Not, oh, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. It's that you're good enough. He loves you just the way you are. It's about effectiveness. It's about dynamic execution in the kingdom. I want some of that. And in my preparation, my time with him, the way I live and treat others, it matters. Daniel had favor where no one else in the entire kingdom had favor. Wisdom and tact. The way he lived gave him access. It's plain and simple. We need to be passionately pursuing, living lives of righteousness and holiness. Even says in 1 Peter 3, it says, the same way your husbands must give honor to your wives and treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be the weaker, weaker than you are physically, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. New Testament, Apostle Paul teaching you right now. Come on. If you're treating your wife disrespectfully, you're dishonoring her and talking her down to her and you think you're better than her and you're not treating her as an equal partner in Christ and you convert this to say that women are weaker, like weaker-minded or something, man, don't expect your prayers to get answered. Don't expect revelation to be flowing through your like, Well, you shouldn't have said that, so I'm going to beat you. That's stupid. That is dumb stuff, and you have stopped that junk, right? Now, we want to live in revelation. When you honor people that are weaker, your children, your wife, others, it matters. It even affects your prayer. Man, it matters. The way you live matters. We need to begin cultivating, pursuing holiness, righteousness. Daniel did it. We did it. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure at heart for they will see God. I want to see him. I want to see him. One of the things that Daniel did when he was preparing is he also was looking. Daniel, he, he had eyes. He was looking for opportunity all the time. He had eyes that could see stuff that other people can see, right? His faith could look into things. He was looking at stuff going, man, God's about to do something. He was expecting God to make a move. He was expecting God to do something amazing. Have you guys ever watched that movie, The Incredibles? Anybody seen the movie The Incredibles? And, you know, Mr. Incredible, he's trying to be undercover, and they don't know who he is. And, and he is, you know, he gets mad one day, and I, I grab, or he slips out, and he grabs his car, and he throws in the air or something, I can't remember. And this little kid is, like, just sitting there this one day, looking at him. And he goes, hey, kid, what are you doing here? And he goes, I don't know. I just want to see something amazing, I guess. <laughs> what are you looking for? What are you seeing? I'm sorry that all my examples come through children's movies. That's all I've been doing for 20 years. <laughs> Raising babies. <laughs> I know them all, like all of them. Okay. I dream in children's movies. That's how God speaks to me. <laughs> Man, what are you looking for? Something amazing, I guess. I mean, right? 
Faith is looking for something amazing. There's, there's this cool convergence of these two things, preparation and opportunity. Faith is looking for opportunity. And when you're prepared and you have opportunity, and when those two things start to merge together, you find victory, you find success, and revelation speaks in in the midst of those. Oh, man, come on, man. We're talking Venn diagram. Oh, yes. It just all comes together, and God just like, just boom, just starts to move. Preparation and opportunity. Success is found where preparation and opportunity meet. Right? And we're going to prepare. We're going to seek God. We're not doing it just to measure up. No, we're doing it because we want to see something amazing. I want to experience something awesome. I want to see God move in power. Paul was a great opportunist. He was just looking. In fact, this one time in Acts chapter 17, he's walking around this place, and he sees the, these, these idols and these things, and he says, it's, this one's to an unknown God. And God gives him a revelation right there. And he uses that opportunity, and he goes and he preaches the gospel. He goes, this unknown God you guys don't know about, you have gods to everything else and all these purposes and stuff, this unknown God, I know him personally, and you can know him too. And that's my own summarization. He preaches the gospel to him, and we know tons of people get saved in this place. God is wanting to use you to reach into cultures and not demonize their cultures, but he's wanting you to reach in and look for an opportunity in their culture to speak revelation into it. Do you know there are people that go around and they go look at people's tattoos and they just pull them out and they go, hey, they expect God to speak to them looking at people's tattoos on their arms and legs and stuff. And they go, tell me about this tattoo. And then they're asking God, I'm expecting God to give me a revelation about this thing and a word of knowledge about this person. I'm going to speak destiny into them. And boom, only thing God could know, he speaks into them off of tattoos, stuff that we as Christians go, nobody should ever have tattoos. (laughs) Come on. I don't have any tattoos you can see. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have any. (laughs) I don't have any. Not that it's bad. Okay, I want you to look at something. I brought this. Well, I didn't really bring it. Pastor Reed brought it for me. Thank you, Reed. This carabiner, this is a carabiner, and it looks like a closed, a fixed thing, doesn't it? It looks like, well, unless you know how it works. Okay, so it looks closed, like nothing could go through this. But this is, this is what opportunities are like. All right, so when there are crises, when there is a need when there's something that needs to be invented and nobody knows the solution to it, there's a problem in your business and you don't know what the heck is gonna happen. How is it gonna work? Your job is to be preparing and then slowly pushing around until you find it. Till you find the gateway, the access point. It's gonna break and your faith tells you that it's gonna happen because you know it's gonna happen. You go. God, like Daniel goes, God's ridiculous. He's the God of God. He's the God of creation. Physics bows its knee to God. He knew that Moses stood and the sun made the sun stand still so they could win a battle. Daniel knew this. Do you know this? He knew the promises that were given to him from Abraham through Moses. He knew the word and he lived it. He didn't defile himself in a pagan world. 
And he looked for an opportunity, a gateway to just break through. If it doesn't feel like it's going to happen, keep pushing, keep searching, keep asking until, bam, it just happens. You've got to believe he wants to use you. He wants to pour out revelation on you all day long. Every day. I mean, every day we wake up, God, position me. God, prepare me. Give me purpose. And then give me revelation today. Lady in the first service comes up and she says, um, I don't know what in the world is going on, but this message today, God, last night, president of a large corporation in the corporate she works in, calls her and says, hey, I need a strategy. Things are going crazy. He goes, who am I? I need you to come up with strategy. I need you to do something. <laughs> this is just yesterday. And then another executive is like asking her, I need you to run the strategic meeting with all these other huge corporations to bring insight. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus, you're going to pour out revelation on that woman. She is powerful woman of God. And you're going to speak to her and you're going to give her key, divine keys to the kingdom and it's going to transform all those companies and you're going to be glorified and you're going to get the victory in Jesus' name. God has divinely positioned you. You are not average. You are not average. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, let your love reign. Let your love pour out on your people, God. Let your favor ignite their hearts, God. Let them walk in revelation and enjoy in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.